everybody to another episode of The Sheriff. Guys, we're at episode number 11. We have a very, very, very special guest today, guys. We got Nathan Parrott, the former Toronto Maple Leaf, Dallas Star, Nashville Predator, and one of my rivals, not only in the AHL, but also my short stint in my preseason NHL career. Um, but before we bring Nathan in, guys, um, I just wanted to recognize and wish everyone a very, very happy Easter from the Sheriff Podcast, Kyle Warner, Sean McMorrow, and Danny Granger-Art. Um, Kyle, would you like to say anything to our great listeners out there? Yeah, I hope everybody had a fantastic Easter with their families, or I don't know how it's working right now up in Canada for you guys, but down here I got to spend pretty much all of Easter with my family, and it was nice to finally be back to somewhat normal. Well, I'll tell you what, man, it, it may be somewhat normal down where you guys are in the States, but up here, it is pretty frustrating. Um, my family didn't really have a get together because of the pandemic. Um, everyone's a little bit spread out anyway in different cities and stuff like that, but we were all connected online, had a nice video family group chat. And, um, and yeah, we just wanted to wish everyone a happy Easter um, on behalf of the show, guys. Um, so you know what? I'm I'm just I'm so excited um, to have our special guest Nathan Parrott that I'm actually going to bring him in right now. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, um, without further ado, I'd like to introduce um, Nathan Parrott. Nathan, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, I'm kind of glad this is the only good time I've noticed about the pandemic with this. We had to do it on Skype because I know anytime we get together, it's usually dropping the gloves and fighting. So <laughs> <laughs> having this on Skype, eh? like I'm sure we fought almost every time we played against each other. It, it, it is that it you know what Nathan you could be right about that because we did fight quite a bit especially in that lockout year 2004 2005 which we are going to get into quite a bit but now before before any of that Nathan there was there, I was thinking before the show now you have a name that can be pronounced a couple different ways and before the show, I was talking to Kyle and I was like, you know what? Like, I always call the man Nathan Parrott. How do you like your last name to be pronounced? Well, that's how I like it. It's, you know, I mean, technically it should be Parrot, but, you know, maybe I get a lot of Perot because, you know, it looks French or whatever, which doesn't bother me. You know, I wish I could speak French, to tell you the truth, but me I don't too, know. man. Yeah, I'm not smart enough to figure it out. You know, when I, was, when I was young, I used to have a girlfriend that was, she spoke fluent French and just couldn't teach me. I feel bad. I should have picked it, it up. But. but Nathan, how much better would our lives have been to this point if we were fluent in French? Could you imagine, my friend? I know, eh? It's so much easier. <laughs> wow. Anyway, so buddy, we have we have women? so much content today, ladies and gentlemen, for the show with Nathan. It's it's incredible. But Nathan, I, I kind of wanted to bring it to the beginning a little bit. Um, I wanted you to kind of let the listeners uh, know where you're from, where you grew up, um, where you played your minor hockey. Well, I uh, I'm from Owen Sound. So there's a little town just outside about an hour south of Owen Sound called Teeswater, where I'm originally from. And then I moved to Owen Sound when I was like eight years old. And so I played most of my majority of my minor hockey in Owen Sound. And then I went and played junior C in Walkerton, which is 
pretty close to Owen Sound. And then after that, I went to St. Mary's, Ontario, played junior B, which had a, I had a great year there. We won the championship and ended up getting drafted to Oshawa in the second round. And then, uh, and then that year I had a really, really good year in, in Oshawa and ended up getting drafted second round to the NHL by New Jersey. You know, I mean, I had some good line mates. So I must say that Larry Corville and uh, Mark Savard were my line mates in, in Oshawa my first year. And, you know, Larry had played for uh, the World Junior team that year and they won gold. And Mark obviously had 100 and I think he had 140 points that year. So he had a lot anyways. Yeah, he was pretty. He was pretty, pretty amazing with the puck. I don't know. I didn't. He's one of the most skilled guys I ever played with. That's, and that's not knocking any of the guys I've played with. Some terrific players along the years, but he was pretty amazing. But yeah. So now I'm assuming that you're mentioning that you played with really good players because, my friend, you had really good numbers in junior. You were a very good player. So let's get that out there right now. Like you had a very productive junior career. Now, my question to you, Nathan, is I see that I see that when you first came into the OHL, you had some scoring touch, like you almost scored 20 goals, but you really solidified yourself as a physical player as well. I see all the penalty minutes you racked up. Did you drop the mitts a lot that first year to kind of have to prove yourself and show everyone that you're the real deal? Well, yeah, well, I playing junior B, you know, I mean, I fought, I think I had like 30 fights or something like that in junior B and I barely made the team just made it by fighting. Right. And, you know, you go from junior B to junior A and everyone's telling you how much tougher the guys are and, and stuff. So you wanted to really let people know, you know, I mean, let the league know that, okay, I'm here and I'm, you know, I'm game. Let's, let's get it on. And, you know, and it just, you know, happened to, score a few goals on the way. Like I was a good athlete, so I was able to play and had good line mates and we clicked, right? We had good, uh, you know, good chemistry right off the bat. So it worked out good that way. And yeah, you know how it goes. You know, if, if you're a tough guy and you're not fighting, you're, you're not much good. So, you know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta yeah. have a presence. Right? Oh yeah. You gotta establish and, a presence, right? and, and like Nathan, but the thing that I find interesting is that obviously a guy that scores 30 goals in major junior 30 goal scorer you were for the Oshawa generals in the OHL right now this was a, in an era where fighting was still a very important part of the game so yeah. I find it I find it very incredible that a guy like yourself a 30 goal scorer you figured it out that you needed to add that part to your game in order to give yourself a real shot at being an NHL player what point of junior did you really figure that out because by the end you had that figured out yeah i don't know if i i just like to fight well right like it was i enjoyed doing it right it was like, like i didn't enjoy hurting anyone or getting hurt like that was just kind of part of it but i like I like the competition right like you know it was two men wanting to see who's tougher right it's always fun and you do it in a way to help your team win Right. You're trying to help your team win. Like I, you know, I mean, I, I probably had some selfish fights along the way for various reasons, but the vast majority of them, I was always trying to do it to help, help our team win. Right? You know, so, you know, you, you do it and you just, you know, it, I was good at it and I was, you know, I wouldn't say I was great. I probably, I got a lot smarter at hockey fighting after I was done playing kind of, cause I started boxing 
I kind of wish yeah. I would have boxed more when I was younger. I, you know, like you just take it more skilled. Like I did it because I like doing it, but I probably I should have spent a little bit more time focusing on it. I, I guess would be what I was saying because there's so many advantages. Yeah, you're a skilled fighter, so you know I'm not. I don't have to really explain it to you too much and how just having certain figuring out tendencies and different moves and just what works on certain guys and that kind of stuff, you know, you spend a little time training for it and you can be a lot more effective doing it. But, you know, I mean, I just kind of went in with a, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to out punch this guy. How big of a deal is it for you when you're fighting a, like a left handed fighter or a right handed fighter? Oh, yeah, I always had a hard time with the lefties. My last two boxing matches were against lefties, and I got smoked. But <laughs> anyway, but the hockey fighting with the lefties, if you can get it, you know, I mean, I, I had a, a move with, a, you know, it would work sometimes. But the one guy, like, one guy I had a hard time with every time was Francis Lassard. I think I may have beat him once. I've fought him quite a few times, but he just always had my number. And... Yeah, no, it was, and it was just the laughs. Like I don't know, I just because I, 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 you see some of my old OHL pitches. I don't know if you've seen them, but I'm cross-eyed, right? And you see some pretty funny pitches. Guys used to, guys used to harass me quite a bit about it. it. Was pretty funny actually, some of them. But, but I just think my dominant eye when I was fighting was was my left eye. So I just I couldn't see that left punch coming as well as I could pick up a right punch, but. You know, maybe that's just making an excuse, but whatever. It was just, it just seemed the lefties always had an advantage on me. So I don't know. <laughs> it also doesn't help that you were fighting a guy like Francis Lassard, who is a brick shithouse. <laughs> I was just going to say, Nathan, Kyle jumped in before me. Buddy, I don't think too many people had too much success against Frankie Lassard, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> don't feel bad. <laughs> best, best time, the best I ever did against him. We're in Philly, right? And we, he, uh, how did it happen? He like sucker punched me. No, we ended up fighting. Yeah, he, he was beat, known for that. He, no, but he beat me fair and square. Like it was a legit fight, but someone suckered me like in the middle of the fight. I think the linesman jumped in early or something like that. And then he ended up like I got grabbed and he didn't. And he hit me and I went down. And I was like, I was okay, but I just kind of lost my balance, whatever. I got up, and a big five-on-five -five brawl, bro. It was actually six-on-six because six the goalies fought. And it was like, the, you know, <laughs> like old-time hockey, right? This is so in Philly, awesome. Nathan? Yeah, it was in Philly, yeah. So I got myself together, and I, I was like, okay, I'm fighting him again. And I went down, I grabbed the sard, and I fought him again. I actually beat him that time, but we went out of toe-to-toe. Be good. I would say I'd just say I like I didn't beat him up, but I, I'd say yeah, I got, you got the decision. Up. Yeah, I'd give myself the decision on that one. Yeah. <laughs> twice at the same stoppage. You know, I mean it was good old talk. He was fun. <laughs> yeah. I miss those now now for the listeners out there, like, okay, so the guest we have today, Nathan Parrott, this guy is he's the real deal, ladies and gentlemen. He's a real fighter. And when I say that because when you hear him talk and he's talking about the technicalities of the fight, it takes him no hesitation to say that he could actually lose a fight. Right, Nathan? We, none of us can win all, every fight. It's impossible. So real fighters know we win some, we lose some. It's how you react to those losses is how far your career is going to go. And a player like yourself, 
you're just you're you're the inspiration of that because through hard work and determination, your career was very, very, very long, my friend. Right. So I, I want I want to recognize that. Thanks. Yeah, I, you know, I, I was thinking. I mean, some of the times I I lost a fight. I remember one time uh, Richard Scott. Eh? You know, he was pretty tough, and yeah. I I had him the one time we were playing in Hartford, and I was with Norfolk. And I was, I was, he was skating around. I remember he was running guys and I think he beat someone up early in the game. So I was like, okay, I'm going to hurt this guy. Right. And I, I hit him with a few lefts and I think he kind of lost his balance and he went down. I was like, okay, I'm going to hit him with a big one. And I cocked back and I pulled him up off the ice and he came over with his own left and hit me right in the eyeball. I don't know if you ever got many in the eyeball, Sean, but it felt like my eye, like came out of its socket. It was a weird feeling. Like it didn't black me out at all, but I thought my eyeball popped out. Right. And my yeah. eye like open for nine stitches over my eye. And I remember I had to go to a funeral the next day and my eye was completely shut. Right. But I didn't, I didn't fight for like a month. I remember I was all like gun shy. I don't know if you ever had that. Where you oh know, yeah. You know, yeah. It was probably the like one in my whole, like you talk about droughts, you know, goal scoring goal droughts. The goal scoring droughts are one thing, but like this was, you know, the only time I think the worst had ever happened to be really a little shy to fight. But the next time we played against him was a month later and I, I fought him again and did like did really well in the fight. Like I felt like I won the fight, you know, actually he, he actually admitted that I did win the fight. So too. So I was like, Oh good. <laughs> Cause I thought I did, but he, you know, it was, it was a good fight, but it got me back going again. And I ended up, you know, finishing the season strong. I think it was in like, December when I fought him the first time and then January the second fight but it was it was pretty uh it was <laughs> it was a weird feeling having that drought you know I don't know if you ever had that or not but it was I just, have I I know I know exactly what you mean my friend for sure definitely yeah. it, it it happens and especially when when careers are the lengths you know that we played man like it's it, it, may, it may even happen more than one occasion right um, so, so Nathan, like, like, I, I really appreciate you sharing that, man. That's like an exclusive, exclusive fight story. Right. Um, so moving along with our timeline, we were, we were kind of in that Oshawa generals time. Now, though, now, now the reason why I like talking about the gens is obviously we both played for the Oshawa generals. We're both Oshawa general alumni, and I'm very proud to have been a part of that organization did you, did you have, did you, you obviously had a great experience on the ice. Did you have a good experience playing for that team? Like full circle? Oh yeah. I loved it. I, I bought a house in Whitby and lived there for a, few, like, a bunch of years. And I, I loved, I loved Oshawa, everything about it. Great city, great fans, great. You know I mean? The, the organization top to bottom was awesome. You know, everyone was helpful and you know they are like we had good teams like i i wish we would have went a little deeper the the year i got traded up to the Sioux, they ended up winning the championship so go figure right but yeah <laughs> yeah i was gonna talk go ahead nathan no i was just saying it was just funny you know what i mean because we had the the reason i got traded was i kind of asked for it because they had uh they had three overagers and in that time you could only play two you could carry oh. three only play two right now okay. it's changed carry four and play three i believe no but the uh back then we were like the q and the w the, the western league 
they were the opposite. They they had three that could play, which, you know, I mean, it was obviously an advantage for them. But we, um, so I, the other two guys were were pretty happy just playing every, you know, two out of every three games. I was like, oh, I'm playing for a contract here. I'm, you know, I mean, I need to get in the lineup every night. So they they were they were pretty good about it though. They said, where do you want to go play? And I was like, well. Joe Thornton kid's pretty good player. Maybe maybe you can send me up to the Sioux if they want me. And yeah, he worked was out. okay. Yeah, he was okay. <laughs> you know, yeah, he... I was spoiled in junior hockey. I'll say that I had some pretty good centermen along the way. But, so smoking yeah. Joe, eh? That was your that was your center in the Sioux. Well, he I played with him on power plays on on uh, five on five. I played with Richard Uniac, who had over a hundred points four years in a row in the O. So he was he was really exceptional player as well. He was the other overager there. Yeah, yeah. so he was good. So, so, so but- Nathan, the other thing I wanted to ask you about that season is, you know, you have games played for Albany that year, my friend. Well, at the end of Oshawa, the year we got put out by, uh, what did we get put out by and play at Kingston, I believe? I think it was. Anyways, after that season, I went to Albany because I was drafted by New Jersey. New Jersey. So, yeah. So they sent me to Albany to play, and I played a few games or four games with them. Yeah. It's a good okay, experience. So that was, okay. So that was at the end of the season then, just like how a lot of NHL teams, they'll call up their top prospects from junior just to give them that sniff of the AHL just because they're kind of giving them a little bit of confidence that maybe they can make the team once come NHL camp um, coming in the fall. Right. So, so, so that's great. So you got that experience. Yeah, it was good. You know what I mean? Great guy. Robbie for torque was a coach there and he, he was great. He's, he's a little different cat. I'll say that, but really knowledgeable hockey guy, really great guy actually, but he's, you know, he's got a, he's got a different approach. That's for sure. But, you know, I mean, unique for sure. But I guess some people would say crazy some people say genius. Right. But, you know, but he was definitely, he was definitely, you had to listen to him and you could learn a lot from him if you were willing to listen. So, you know, yeah, it's good. Yeah. We've actually, that, that's interesting that you brought him up, Nathan. Like we've actually heard, a couple of pretty cool stories about Fedoric, you know, like our, our, our episode 10 guest, Cam Jansons, he had, he had some interesting stories um, <laughs> about him as well. Um, so yeah, it must be a really, really interesting coach and, and a big character guy as well, that Fedoric. Um, he comes up, he, the pregame skate, he comes up afterwards, I'm sitting there and he's like, how you feel, Nathan? I go, I feel, I feel good. He goes, good? It's fucking game day. You should feel fucking great. And I was like, <laughs> he says to me, how do you feel? I go, I feel fucking great. He's like, that's it. <laughs> he just kind of nodded his head and walked away. I was like, oh, jeez. <laughs> right on. Yeah. So now, Nathan, I, I, man, it, what gets me pumped up so much is when, when players go kind of like a different route than what the majority of the players go through. And, you, my friend, you ended up having a good NHL career, but how you got there was a little bit unique compared to, you know, the average guy just playing out his entry level and then, you know, graduating on and, and, you know, like you, you had a difference. So you were, you were drafted as a high pick to New Jersey. You didn't agree. You did not agree to terms with New Jersey, but you ended up playing in the Chicago Blackhawks organization. Can, can you explain what happened there? Like, like, like a long story short. 
Oh, yeah, well, so they were off for me. It was it was a decent contract. My agent said you can get a lot more because I would because I have a late birthday and you become unrestricted free agent. So I was yeah. asking for more than what they were offering. And I had that good year, you know, 30 goals. And they were like, no, nope, we're, we're not budging. And I was like, all right, I'll roll the dice then. And I went back to junior. And I was actually on pace for about 45 goals that year. And I ended up breaking my leg. Like my third season only had 37 games played, right? And I think I had 18 or 19 goals. But, like, I, I remember I was on, like, a seven or eight game point streak when I ended up breaking my leg. It was too bad because I was doing really well, like, up in the Sioux. But then, Nathan, not only did you have 18 goals, my friend, you had 41 points in 37 games. Just had to put, put that out there. Please continue, yeah. my friend. You know, and, and a lot of those those 37 games, the five of them, I don't think I had any points because I I just gotten back from, from breaking my leg. And I was, like, trying to rush back for playoffs. I probably came back too early, actually, which really hurt me in my first year of pro hockey when I went to – I went off to Indianapolis, but like I signed with Chicago and I ended up, it was like financially, it was probably the best decision because I got twice of what New Jersey was offering me like for a signing Good for goal. You. Yeah. But looking back, like I think, okay, Lou, what a great guy he is, but he really is committed to developing his players. And back then Albany had a great system and they had great, great developing coaches in place. And, you know I mean? It probably would have been looking at my career. Maybe I would have, Got a little for who knows. I had a pretty good career. I can't complain now, but in hindsight, like, you know, I mean, when you had team drafts, you there's a lot of guys in the organization that are committed to see you do well because they're putting their name out on the line for you, right? Where when I signed with Chicago as a free agent, the only guy that liked me, I think, in the organization was Bob Murray. Well, he got fired and left. And then I was stuck with who liked me there? Nobody. So it was like, oh, well, I, don't, I shouldn't say no one liked me, but. You know what I mean? I really had yeah. the first year I was there, I, I struggled early. I struggled real early, like really early on, and they sent me down to the East Coast League. And it was actually good because Bruce Cassidy, was he was his first year coaching down in Jacksonville. And, yeah, he so I struggled early on there too. And then eventually I just, I don't know, I just started fighting again. I was like, okay, I'm, I, I can't play hockey anymore, so I might as well fall back on what I can do. And I started fighting every game and doing well with that. And it built my confidence up. And then halfway through the season, I got called back up to the IHL. Like Indianapolis was where Chicago's farm team. And I did, I did pretty good for the rest of the year up there. And then, yeah, yeah, it worked out pretty good. But, you know, it's funny how you can build a lot of confidence for your you're playing through the fighting, you know, like I always thought if I fought early in the game, I usually had a pretty good game because I, I was into it then. I don't know if you ever felt like that, but get a fight out of the way and <laughs> get your heart rate going, warmed up and handle the puck a little bit better and <laughs> knock some of the cement off the hands, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Now, now, Nathan, as you were saying that, like I, I just had something just pop into my mind here. Like, your career goes in waves is what I'm noticing now. And what I mean by that is your junior career, you put up huge numbers on the score sheet. You showed everyone that you're a player, you're the real deal, you have the real skill to make it to the next level. When you turn pro, the route that you took, the grind that you did, my friend, you have four seasons 
First season, Jacksonville, 30 games, 135 pims. Second season, Indianapolis, 72 games, 307 pims. Cleveland Lumberjacks, the following season, 65 games, 250 pims. Then you come to the friggin' the, the, the Norfolk Admirals, 73 games, almost 300 pims. You grinded it out for four seasons, probably fought every single heavyweight there is in those leagues. Then everyone knew that you were ready. And my friend, that following season is when you break into the NHL with the Nashville Predators. Can you tell me what that was like to finally reach your dream after this four-year grind, man? That was yeah. a quite the grind I just you did there, Nathan. Child, right? I got I got down to Norfolk after camp in Chicago, and then like I think I played two games, and then I got traded from Nashville or from Chicago to Nashville, right? So I had to pack everything up and drive from the Norfolk Admirals up to the Milwaukee Admirals, which was kind of neat, but I played yeah. both out <laughs> same year. But I went up there and yeah, actually it was funny because when I first got there, I struggled. I struggled in, in Milwaukee. They played a different, like I wouldn't say a different game, but it was a different pace of game they played. They played a lot different system. So I struggled at first and I was on the probably the fourth line for quite a bit. And then uh, Claude, I remember I remember one game Claude Noel was talking to the head coach, Dave Allison. He's like, I think this kid can play. Give him a chance. Like, let's play him a bit and see. I heard I actually heard him say that. And then I went in, in January. I just took off. I remember I, st- I, I, I don't know. I started fighting really well and I was scoring goals. And, and then, you know, I mean, uh, I feel bad because, you know, I mean, I got a break because uh, George of the Rock ended up knocking out. Stu Grimson and then in his career with post-concussion syndrome, which is, you know I mean? It's a shame that it happened. You know I mean? Stu Grimson, obviously one of the greatest enforcers ever, but you know, I mean, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. He was a beast. Right. But it gave me the opportunity to, they needed some guy and they, they called me up and I remember I went up there and I, I had a few, like right off the bat, I fought uh first game. I fought Jody Shelley did really well. Next game, I fought Peter Orwell and did really well in that fight. And then I fought uh, Ken Belanger, Jason Strudwig. I fought like a bunch of heavyweights right off the bat. Like it was pretty funny. <laughs> so we're in, we're in like game game thirteen or something or game fifteen, and we're in Colorado. And uh, Barry Trotz is sitting there, and we're losing after the second intermission. I think we're losing like four one or something, and. He's mad. He, he's got his arms crossed and he's, you know, he's got fire coming out his ears and just, just pissed off. Right. And he's sees me in the corner. I got my head down, just trying to like not be noticed. Right. And he goes, fucking parrot. You think you're here to score fucking goals or something? And I'm like, <laughs> I've got like 10 fights in the last freaking last 13 games, Barry. I don't know. Like what, what are you talking about? And I'm like, all right. And then he went around the room and, you know, ripped up everyone. So I think he felt bad making fun of me at first. But it was so I go out there and I'm like, they got Scott Parker. And that guy is an absolute beast of a man, right? And so I'm like, I'm trying to cut a deal with him to, to get him to fight me. He's like, oh, I didn't feel, I don't feel it tonight, he says to me. I'm like, come on, I'm going to get sent down. Scott, just yeah. Hey everybody, I'm gonna and I said he was he talked about that on that movie. I think the the one that's on Netflix, but he yeah. left, he left one part. I said, I said, I you know, don't make me run Patrick Waugh to get you to fight me. And he's like, no way. Hey, 
It's like, okay. He goes, just, he goes, just step back and square off with me. I'm like, yeah, of course you're six foot five. I get it. You want to square off. Nathan, like speaking of six foot five, that list of guys, I, I'm, I'm trying to work on, you know, not cutting my guests off because I'm such a hyper guy that I'm, I'm working on that. Right. So I had to let you be, I wanted to cut you off, but I knew I couldn't. But that list of guys that you mentioned when you first got up, man, that average was like six five, six six, two forty. Belanger you know, and all those all those names that you named off there, it was it was that yeah. that was that was crazy. It's insane the type yeah. of men that you battled with year after year after year. So now, my friend, this was the time that I actually first met you. The timeline that we're at now, where. You're you're in Milwaukee. You I think you recently had got sent down from Nashville, okay? And this was my first year in the AHL playing for the Rochester Americans. I got my wingman Andrew Peters, right? We're going out after the game. His brother Jeff Peters, I believe was playing in Milwaukee with you and we were all out at the same bar. Do you yeah. remember that night, Nathan, when Andrew yeah, Peters introduced I, me to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I do remember. Jeff was a great guy. I love him. He was awesome. He was one of the funniest guys, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Andrew. I like, I knew Andrew a little bit, not like obviously not as well as I knew Jeff, just because I played with Jeff for like I think we played together for like three or four years, something like that. Cause he was, he was with Chicago, but then he ended up going to Nashville after and stuff. So we, yeah. we fought another round a bit, you know, but it was good. It was, yeah, that was, yeah, I do remember that too, actually. Yeah. Andrew <laughs> Peters, he's like, Mac, I got to introduce you to, to Nathan Parrott, man. I'm like, Oh, that's the guy that that's the Nashville guy. Right. He's like, yeah, man, he's, he's really good friends with Jeff. Come on, come on. Let me introduce you. So he introduces me to you, and he's like, Mac, um, this is Nathan Parrott. He's the toughest SOB on the planet. <laughs> that's, how, that's how he introduced me to you. And I already knew that you were tough as nails. For you, As you know, like being an AHL tough guy, when, when you're at that part of your career, you know, when an NHL guy comes down, like, you know, you always kind of pay attention to that, right? You have, you have an automatic kind of respect because you know that he's, that guy's temporarily down. He's going to go back up. And, you know, if there's any luck on your side, you might be able to get on the scorecard with his name, right? And, and maybe, maybe able to convince the guy, that, like, maybe to a battle when you know he doesn't want to. He's just working on his conditioning, doesn't want to fight at all in the AHL, just wants to come back up. But the thing I remember about you is you were such an honest fighter that it didn't matter what level it was, man. You enjoyed the competition. It wasn't about like, oh, I don't need to do this. I don't need to do that. You wanted to compete, represent your team, and try to get momentum for your side. And that's what a true tough guy really is. A guy that wants to do it, that wants that challenge. But would you agree with me, Nathan? Like, you remember Mark Morrow? And oh, yeah. Yeah, so Mark was a beast. Eh? He was a strong, strong man, great player, great leader, great guy in the locker room. But he was up in Nashville that year earlier and before I got called up and he got sent down and me and Mark played in the Sioux together. And, you know, I mean, we knew each other, fought each other a bunch and we knew each other really well. And I said, Mark, I like, you gotta, you gotta like fight when you're down here. He's like, no man. He goes, they want me to work on my skill. And I'm like, I don't think 
they want you. They got like Andy Delmore up there for a skill <laughs> guy. I think they want Mark Morrow to be the power play. You know, I go, I go, I'd be, I'd be more inclined to play your regular game and just, you know, show him you want to get back up there. And he was like, no, they told me to work on our skill. I'm like, okay. And, you know, I mean, he ended up getting called back up with Toronto once he got traded to, to the Leafs. And we played there again, too. It was funny. We guys you end up playing with all over the place. But, yeah, he was – I thought, you know, I mean, I learned, I learned from him. Like, I was like – Okay, when I get sent down, and I did, I got sent down after those first two games where I, I fought Shelly and Morrell, and then it was the Olympic break, and we yeah. were off a couple weeks, but they sent me back down, and they were like, yeah, and I knew I was going down anyways because they didn't have to keep me up. I don't think I had any waiver rights anyways or anything, so I knew I was going down, and I was like, okay, I know what happened with Mark. Okay, I'm not going to I'm not gonna do it. I'm going to go a different way than what he did, so I made sure, like, I think – I think we had like five games and I had like three fights, maybe four fights in the five games or something. Cause I was like, okay, I really? want to show, I want to show them. I want to get back up there. Like I want to yeah. show them. Yeah. Like, okay. I just, doesn't matter where I am. I'm going to, I'm going to fight. Right? <laughs> yeah. Just not Colorado. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Man. So, so Nathan, I, I mean, one thing that I wanted to make sure that I talked to you about on this episode, and it and it's it's working out good because this is part of the timeline now. So now let's get to the 2004-2005 season, which is the famous NHL lockout year, where the AHL was the show. Now I'm sure you remember this year very clearly, my friend. You playing for the St. John's Maple Leafs? Yeah. Okay, so now we had and we had a guest on episode three, um, Mr. Mike Scroy, who was a heavyweight that year, not only in Binghamton but also Syracuse. And what we discussed was how tough the AHL was that season, how skilled the AHL was that season. It really was like the NHL in the '90s, man, where it was two, three tough guys on every team and so much skill that it, it, it could compare with any era. Like, would you agree with that analyzation? Oh, a hundred percent. It was, it was crazy. Like, yeah, I remember, I think I had, I think I had like 30, how many fights did I end up with that year? 30 something, 36, 35. I think I was, I was in the top five in the league. I remember, I can't remember who led the league. I think Brian McGratton or something. He ended up with yeah. something like 47 or something crazy yeah. like that. It was like, it was crazy. Like I was like, I had 35 fights and I'm not even in the top three. I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a lot. I was busy too. That's like, man, this is, it was, but every night, like you said, it wasn't like you, you know I mean? It was, there was no nights off, right? You just like, hopefully it's a quiet night and I don't have to get my head beat in tonight. But yeah, like every team had someone that was legit tough. Like, wasn't like, you know, there was no, no pretenders running around, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. like, and, and you had like the AHL guys, like, like the guys that were there with the AHL contracts or even an NHL guy on a two-way, but then you had guys like yourself, Nathan, that were NHL guys, but were playing in the AHL because that was just better for you than going to Europe during the lockout year, right? So not only would the team be stacked with the AHL toughness, but then they're getting a 
Freaking cherry on top, a Nathan Parrott just dropping into the roster. I, oh, I know, oh well, that's just great. <laughs> I, 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 I probably would have enjoyed Europe, but I had no choice. I had they like Toronto. They they told me you were going to St. John's because I remember Belak. He ended up going to going to Sweden or, or no? He went. Did he go to the British? He League went to or? the UK. Yeah, yeah. yeah Belak was in Britain. He was yeah. in England. And over there, and you know, it was you know, I I never played in that league, but it was you know, I mean, it, I don't think they had as many games, and the travel isn't quite as far, you know. Oh, a lot easier than the AHL, my friend. Trust me, the yeah, travel. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what's getting at, you know. And that in that year in the American League was was brutal. Like it was, we had in St. John's that year, we had a twenty-one day road trip, and then we had a. <laughs> five-day road trip which turned out to be 26 because st john's got snowed in on day 25 and we had to spend an extra day in toronto because we couldn't fly in just to like and i remember getting to my house on day 26 and i had to shovel down about three feet reach down unlock and like open the door and then slide down this snow and get into my house because there was so much snow like it was insane. I've never seen that much snow in my life, but you know, if if you think you've seen snow, go to St. John's in, in a bad year. They they get snow like it's unbelievable. But yeah, it was so that those those road trips because what you do is you'd fly into Toronto and then you'd you'd get on a bus for three four weeks and just drive around, go from city to city, and you know, yeah. it was it was it was a tough place to play hockey. Like, but being at home was amazing. Like the, the home fans there in St. John's, they were, they were awesome. And, you know, it was obviously a great, great place for hockey. I, I love playing there, but the road trips were, were tough. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Nathan, like for, well, first of all, for the listeners that are international, um, the region of Canada we're talking about is Newfoundland, which is on the East coast of Canada. It's pretty North. And man, the, this east coast of Canada, the tip of Newfoundland, the capital, St. John's, was the AHL affiliate for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Nathan, for a while, like they were, they were, then it, then it, then it changed, and they went back. And I think now, are they an AHL team or a major junior team in St. John's? I think they're major junior. Yeah, I think they're, I think they're a team in the queue right now. But, um, but yeah, so St. John's has a pretty strong history. With the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Baby Leafs, um, also known as. And uh, I'm telling you, Nathan, that season that you played for the St. John's Maple Leafs, man, you guys were so tough that year, Nathan. I remember one game, you guys came into Rochester. And who was your coach that year again? Doug, Doug Shedden. Doug Shedden. And I remember Doug Shedden started all of you meatheads, man. Every the, the five toughest guys on your team were the five starters at the Blue Cross Arena in Rochester, New York. So everybody knows how it works is the away team has to put their lineup in first, ladies and gentlemen, because the home team, one of the advantages is, is you get to match the lineup. That's one of the home field, in this case, home ice advantages. So St. John's comes into Rochester and puts down their five toughest guys as, a, as their starting five. So my coach, Randy Cunnyworth, old school, grinding, hard-nosed guy himself, he wants to respond. So he puts out myself, Andrew Peters, Ryan Jordy, Doug Janik, Paul Gostad. We had, a, we had a few guys that could go, right? 
but we had, but our lineup wasn't compared to you guys, Nathan. You guys had some really veteran, tough guys on your team, man. And me and you ended up going that game in Rochester, Nathan. And I'll tell you what, man. That was one of the fights in my career, buddy, that I barely remember because it, it, it's like watching something fast forward. That's how the fight was for me. You hit me so hard, man, so many times in the noggin that it was quite the experience. You didn't TKO me, but I was pretty close to being TKO'd. And I'm just lucky that there wasn't a gust of wind because it probably would have made me push over and fall to the ice. But I don't know if you remember that game. Do you remember you guys coming into Rochester, starting all five of your tough guys? I know it was a while ago. Yeah, I know. I do remember that actually. Now that you're saying it, it was popping in my mind. Yeah, that yeah, was. Yeah, I don't. Was there? There was a reason why he did that. Were Were you running around the game before? So I can't remember. We just, had. Yeah, we had. There was a rivalry, man, between our us and you guys that season. Like when we came to St. John's, I think what the situation was was a couple of your guys. Like I think yourself and. And, and maybe who is that defenseman man that was on your team that was just a killer? There was there was a couple of you guys that were hurt, and Mark, me and Petey. I'm sorry, Mark Morrow. He was on yeah, Mark Morrow. Jesus man, that guy was man. So me and Petey were running around and and, and whatever, whatever. And then I I think at the end of the game, Shedden said, "You wait till we come to Rochester or something like that, man." And you guys were 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 had a fully staffed lineup that night, so. Yeah, man, it was entertaining. I mean, those were the days, Nathan. Those were the days that we were getting nine, ten thousand at the Blue Cross Arena on a Friday night, right? And and yeah. those are the heydays, man. When there was a tough guy on every team, the skill level was high, the goaltending was good, the scoring was up, the fighting was up, just like the NHL in the '80s when the Oilers were winning the Stanley Cups. And I think that though at those times, Nathan, that's when hockey has been its healthiest. Um, I'm bringing this up obviously because you are a player that that had to play that role in order to play in the National Hockey League, and and you embraced it and you thrived in it. I just wish that the era went a little bit longer. I think that the league could have protected us a little bit more with insurance for the tough guys. I think that if you had 10 or more majors, I think you would have qualified for a better insurance and it would have it would have it, it would have um avoided a lot of the problems these days Nathan with these guys and their lawsuits and stuff. I just feel that the league could have taken care of guys like me and you a little bit better when it was those heydays and then the sport would be thriving a little bit more now. I just wanted I, to see what your opinion was on that. I agree with you with that like they they should have taking care of the guys better and they, they should be doing that now. But I mean, obviously the games change quite a bit where there isn't the, like my, my kids ask me about that. I'm like, well, you know, like the Ryan Reeves and, and these guys and, you know, Luchik's and, and Tom Wilson's, they're really tough. They would have been tough in our era too, but they, the difference is they don't have to do it 30 times a year. Right. Like yeah. we were doing 30 times, which is, you know, I mean, fighting guys like them every other night, right? Which is is one thing to do it once in a while. You know, ten times a season isn't isn't that bad. But when you're doing it thirty times a season, twenty five times a season, that's you know, I mean, it's a little different game then, right? You know, especially when your hands are sore and you know you've 
you're on the in the American League, you're on the bus, and you know it's it's a little bit tougher. But I don't know. I you know I mean I, I wish I liked when we were playing. I thought that was definitely the the best hockey, like toughest in skill set wise, right? Like you I mean you watch games now, it's like watching an all star game every night. You know, like I actually watched. Uh, uh, Calgary and Edmonton play, and I I like that game. They were, you know, I mean, they were they were finishing checks and you know, yeah, have rivalry. So that was it was good to see. But you know, I mean, you watch, like, and I like, you know, I mean, I'm a big Leafs fan, but sometimes you know, I mean, you see guys just turn away from hits. Like I'm like, well, you know, you don't have to crush a guy, but you know, I mean, it's like, you know, when you arrest someone, you have to take physical physical control, right? So to show dominance, right? So part of it's the same in hockey. You want to take physical control. You have to touch them, right? So you don't yeah. have to hard. Just but you got to finish your check, right? Just just touch them. Just touch them, and that that's is, part of it, right? But that you know, that is my one of my biggest pet peeves is the uh, the new age flyby poke check. Just yeah. hit the guy. <laughs> it makes you cringe though, eh, Kyle? Like I it's... can't stand it, dude. You know who the king of it is? I'm a Flyers fan. Um, just so you're aware, Nate, but, uh, the king of the flyby poke check is none other than six foot five, Kevin Hayes. Oh man. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's frustrating. Like, like Kyle, I I don't know if you, did you ever have a chance to see Nathan play when he played against the Philly Phantoms? Was that ever matched up or I'd imagine I did, but I can't remember offhand. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like, like Nathan, just to get back to like what I was saying, um, I got into this a little bit with Scroisey, but we kind of got off track. But I would like to, I would like to discuss it with you, like, you know, just the topic of, you know, there's a problem right now that the NHL has with their former tough guys, and the problem is, is that when me, when me and you played, Nathan. On the pro level, like let's talk about AHL and up. So AHL, NHL, okay? So AHL, NHL, you 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 see a team and you look at the coaching staff and you look how the tr- the players are trained. We had a head coach, assistant coaches, associate coaches. We had a goaltending coach. We had we would have guys come in certain practices that would be faceoff coaches. We would have guys come in that would be the power play coaches, the special teams, the PK coaches. There was all these coaches, Nathan. When we played, there was guys that had 30 goals. Like you just mentioned, there was guys that had 30-plus fighting majors. There was two goalies on each team. There was two tough guys on every team, Nathan, when we played. So why is it that the tough guys we're not given the same attention as every other role on the team. We were the only role that wasn't taken care of. We had a face-off coach, bro. Face-off coach. But there was no tough guy coach. You're there right. was no guy to tough monitor. Play hockey too, right? Like, it wasn't that, like, yeah. Yeah, there was no guy to monitor if, if the two or three guys on the team were okay. How are their heads? How can they protect themselves? How can you hold your fist so you don't break your hand? There's a lot of things that we learned along the way, Nathan, that we did on our own. How to fall properly when a guy flips you so you don't friggin' like become a cripple. 
You know what I mean? Like we're fighting on the ice, bare knuckle boxing, half the time taking our own helmets off in front of 10, 15, 20,000 people live on television. And we had no coaches. We did this on our own. The NHL could have had it where if you had, like I mentioned, 10 or more majors, you qualify for this insurance. They could have protected us. They could have avoided all these lawsuits. And I just feel that there's still an opportunity to save this game. The game was best in the 90s when the fighting and scoring were both at its peaks. When the Edmonton Oilers were winning those Stanley Cups, my friend. And Cement Head Semeco and Marty McSorley were the two guys. And then you had Messier and Gretzky, the two leaders in scoring. And it was a well-rounded game. I want to know your opinion on this, buddy. Well, I, I agree with you. I mean, like, when you're talking about the, the injuries and stuff guys had, you know, I mean, the hands. But, like, just one thing I did learn early, and I think it was more from playing high school football, was they were saying, like, to protect your head, you had a strong neck. So I did a lot, always did a lot of neck exercises, which really like is your shock absorber, shock absorber for your brain. So like if you ever go into a boxing gym, the first thing they're going to tell you to do is work on your neck, get your neck strong, like get your neck big. Like look at Mike Tyson, how big's his neck? Was he like twenty Huge. inches? Yeah, then it helps. Yeah. This helps absorb some of that blow when you do get hit with a heavy punch, so your brain doesn't get rattled so hard, right? I mean, obviously you got to wear a mouth guard and stuff, but if you don't have anyone to tell you these things, or you know. <laughs> How are you supposed to do it? You had to figure it out. And guys were, you know, I mean, biting and clawing and, you know, killing each other, trying to get to the NHL. So, you know, if they worked in cust, they weren't going to, they weren't going to voluntarily say it to anyone because they, they wanted to get out there and try and earn a job the next night. Right. So yeah, I think there's definitely things that should have been done and they should, they should learn from it. But instead now they're just kind of trying to run away from that part of the game and pretend like it never happened and try to avoid it. But I mean, until they take body checking out, which, I mean, I I, <laughs> I hope that never happens, but you, you kind of see the wind, like, they're going that way. But hopefully that's not something that never happens. But, you know, I, I, I agree with you, though, that, that, you know, 90s, early 2000s hockey and, like, you know, late 80s to, you know, to the early 2000s. I, I liked hockey the best then because, you know, it was fast, but it was still – physical the momentum changes you know i mean through a big body check or a big fight or a big goal you know i mean could really change momentum and you know i mean the game would go the other way and there would be two or three of them in a lot of games where you'd have those momentum swings where now it's just like you kind of get it sometimes but it's i don't know it's more like watching an all-star game i think sometimes but i don't know it's still pretty good hockey but you know maybe i'm just jealous i can't play that fast (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, yeah, and, and I, I agree with you. And like, it's just, but like what, and the reason why, the reason why I like to bring this up, Nathan, is because when, when things are brought up, people are become aware. When ideas are put out there, sometimes there's a snowball effect. Something that might be mentioned on the Sheriff podcast maybe could get repeated on a sports network. The idea gets out there and it, and it snowballs, like I said. Now, we love this sport. We played this sport when it, was, when it was its healthiest. There was some mistakes made along the way. That's okay. It can be fixed, right? I believe in a future of hockey. I believe that players need to be protected. I believe that the sport should continue to be the only sport with lacrosse that allows the players to police their own game, just like when we played. 
If the players are protected, I think the players would be more willing to do it. That's the other thing, Nathan. Players aren't willing to do it because they don't have to do it. And they're like, you know what? I fight tonight and I get hurt. That's not good for me. But if they knew, if they fought, that they had an insurance for the fighting, maybe they wouldn't second guess it. Maybe they would do it because of the competitive nature. And now they, they know that they're protected. It's game, right? So yeah. I, I'm not trying to just criticize through and through. I'm trying to improve and maybe change the game by throwing those ideas out there. You know what I'm saying? So I'm 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 glad that you agree, and and I and I, I hope that hockey can slowly kind of get to back the way it was before, my friend. Yeah, I hope I hope so too. I think you know, I mean, some of the rule changes, I, I you know, I mean, trying to speed the game up with the you know the obviously the red line. I was. Honestly, I was always a big fan of the red line, two line pass myself. It was, you know, I, I like, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, being in New Jersey system, I learned how to do the trap very well. So maybe that's why I like, yeah, it. yeah, you know, and I didn't like the, tra- I didn't like the, the, the game slowing down like that. And I get why they o- tried to open it up that way. But I think some of the, some of the rule changes maybe were done in haste. I, I don't know. Maybe the red line bringing it back wouldn't be a good idea, but, but some of the rules, I think they changed and maybe caused some more injuries and stuff. But I, I don't know. I like your idea with the insurance, though. That's definitely a, definitely a great idea. And, you know, I mean, I, you know, I mean, hopefully hockey, it'll, like, you're never going to see the fighting totally out of the game unless they take hitting out. And even then, there's always the accidental hit and reasons why guys fight other than, other than the game. But yeah. I don't think like, <laughs> lost some money in a card game. <laughs> you yeah. Know, for sure so now nathan because of your long career there's so much content that i want to talk about so the the next thing that i want to get into is a pretty interesting subject because i want to also get into what you're doing now with the firefighting we have a lot of questions about that right before we get into that my friend i need to speak to you about your experience in the toughest league in the world the lnah the quebec senior league I saw that you played two games for Les Chiefs de Saint-Jean. Can you tell us how you got there and, and what that was like for you? Well, Brandon Sugden, he's a buddy of mine, and he uh, – he Sugar. Yeah, yeah, Sugar. Yeah, he he, uh, he he called me up and said, hey, Nathan, you're not doing – what are you doing? And I'm like, man, I'm looking for a job. And he's like – They'll take you here, and I'm like, awesome! All right, sign me up. So we worked out a deal. I, uh, I flew. Did I fly or drive? I think I flew out, and I played a couple games that weekend. And then uh, after the, uh, we won. I remember we won the. I think we lost one and won one. But the game we won, they had to forfeit because I guess they broke a league rule because I'd played in the NHL the year before. And okay. They were- allowed to have one guy on the roster that played in the NHL the year before and they had some skilled guy I can't remember who it was yeah it wasn't one of the yeah. fighters yeah that was the toughest team I ever been on like uh Mike Bose was on it uh Patrick yep. Cote, yep. uh Steve Bosse Riley Cote no not Patrick Cote yep yeah like it was it was insane Yuri Moshevsky yeah, I was like, oh my god! I'm looking around the room. I'm like, Matthew Rabbi. Remember Matthew yeah. Rabbi, the defenseman yeah. on that team? 
Yeah. The guy that looked like a WWE wrestler? Yeah. No, he, <laughs> he was jacked. He, he was How awesome. big was that guy? He was <laughs> <laughs> it was I was why do you guys even want me? But I had my I fought both games. I went in there and fought both games. I wasn't shy to not. <laughs> it was like yeah. I don't come here. <laughs> I just show up, but yeah, they but came, Nathan, but, okay, Nathan, okay. for the listeners out there, because like the, the reason why I appreciate guys that have such a good resume, like yourself coming on my show, is just because of the legitimacy. And the respect of the answers that I'm given, right? Because you know you've played in the NHL, man. You're an Ontario boy that got to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You got to do things that were so incredible. You also had an incredible experience of going to this toughest league in the world. You have to tell the listeners, the LNAH, the League de North America de Hockey, the Quebec Senior League, whatever you want to call it, was it not the toughest league that you ever played in my friend oh yeah it was yeah it was and like when i was in junior b i thought that was a tough league or the junior c league but no man it was like it was a whole new level like there's it was insane like there was how many my the team i was on there was like seven or eight legit heavyweights that played either in the american league or the nhl or yeah like guy like there was it was like it was insane like it was it was and that like that was every team though. That was like every team. Every team. Like it was like you're looking around and like, oh my, who am I gonna fight? Like I don't have to I don't really <laughs> it was insane, right? Like you yeah. played for a while, right? I remember watching some of your fights. I was like Yeah, like I had a couple stints in that league, Nathan. The first year that I went there was that same season, that 06, 07 season. My yeah. situation was I was playing for the Chicago Wolves. Couldn't get in the lineup. And by Christmas time, I still hadn't got in the lineup. This league, like I'm sure they were doing with you, a recruiter kept calling me, offering me $800 a game, $900 a game, $1,000 a game. It kept going up and up and up. $25,000 signing bonus, $35,000. 45 okay 50,000 you know you know what i mean and like i i like nathan as you know at that time you know with the signing bonuses this was before the sydney crosby year where they capped the signing bonuses at 255 grand when me and you were signing we had guys that were signing for 1.1 900 800 you know what i mean and then the 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 the, the draft picks like myself that were like eighth nine round picks we were getting 150 25 you know what i mean but now the cap is 255 right but i never signed the big signing bonus so I was like, you know what? I'm 26 years old. I'm not playing. I want to play. This league wants me. I want to make some good money. And I want to go and compete. And that was when I went. I went right after Christmas. Were you there in the beginning of the season? Uh, I think, when was I? Because I took off to uh, Switzerland at the end of the year. Yeah, like I started off with the Marlies on, yeah. a, on a PTO, played a few games. And then they brought some more guys in, didn't have contracts, so it didn't work out. Yep. And then I went there, and it was early. It was like, yeah, I think it was November. Yeah, yeah. So, so you were there right before I got there, my friend. But we went for the same reasons. I was also on a PTO with the Chicago Wolves, was yeah. having problems getting in the lineup. You know, th- this is when the tough guys were still making big money, Nathan. Like, like, like that was big money that the tough guys were making. 
right? Yeah. In that league with signing bonuses. Like I'm sure Sugden told you all about it when you got there, right? And yeah. Yeah. you know, that's what we did. That that was a trend that AHL tough guys were going to that league. It started with Yuri Mashevsky and Brandon Sugden. And yeah, he, and more and Yuri more people that team. Mashevsky, he was on that team, yeah. Too. Yeah, Yuri Mashevsky was there too. He he had come there the year before straight from the Manitoba Moose. Yeah. We had the same agent, Mike Welcome was yeah. me and Yuri's agent. And I remember Mike telling me, yep, Yuri's decided he's going to that Quebec league. And I was like, wow, you know what I mean? I just played him last weekend when we went to Winnipeg before the Jets came back to Winnipeg and the Manitoba Moose were at the MTS Center, right? So Yuri was the one that first started the trend. And then guys like Sugden, myself, you, like there was a lot of people that ended up going. And, 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 I, and I think that's part of the history of of how hockey's gone with with the tough guy role being grandfathered out there there's there's a there's a pattern that the tough guys had to do to continue playing and stay relevant right and and that's part of our history so i find that it's important to talk about so now so now so now nathan before you finished off you got a chance to go because I, I, I really I'm really interested in the firefighting stuff, my friend. But I want you to talk a little bit about Russia because you got a chance to play in Russia before you retired. And and that must have been quite the experience, my friend. Oh, it was amazing. So after after I left the Quebec League, I went and played with SC Burn and their playoff run. I ne- there's no like if you go hockey DB. There's no record of it, right? But I have a silver medal. I have my jersey. I was there. I took every warm up and playoffs, but all I did was patrol the red line, right, and try to <laughs> and try to intimidate the other team. It was pretty funny, right? But like, I got paid. Uh, I got paid really well, actually. And it was like in the uh, Swiss Elite League, and we we lost in Game Seven to Davos, and I think it was one nothing. They had the Hilliard kid in net, but it was, it was a you know great experience. But anyway, I came back, and then the Marlies gave me another chance, and they they signed me to an American League contract, and it was it was seventy five grand, which you know it wasn't terrible money, but it no, was you know good. yeah, I was good, I was happy. Anyway, so then you know a few months go by, and and the coach really isn't playing me. I'm like fourth line, couple shifts a period. And I'm like, you know, I mean, I'm going out and I'm fighting like a bit, but I wasn't playing a lot. And I was healthy scratch. So I'm getting, I wasn't happy. Right. And uh, Reed Simpson, I don't know if you know Reed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Simmer, we've known each other since I was 18. And anyway, he calls me up and he played in this uh, VT's team in Chekhov the year before. And he was now he's a coach. He's like, yeah, Nathan, we need a tough guy. You want to come over? And he were offering me uh, 250. They paid the taxes. So it's like, so I went to the Leafs. I called the GM up and I was like, hey, listen, I go, I just want a two-way contract so I can have a chance of getting called up. I go, give me a two-way contract and let me have a chance of getting called up. I'll stay. But, you know, I mean, if not, I'm going to have to like, I'm going to have to take off to Russia because that's, well, it's quite a bit more money. You know what I mean? It's extremely a lot more. So they're like. like, Five times the amount more. (laughs) Yeah, I came to that. It was yeah, yeah. It was, it's like yeah, four times. So anyway, so I was like, okay, I j- jumped ship, left, went over there. It worked out pretty good. Like they liked me the first season, you know, and then they signed me for a second season, you know, and and I played the second season. But it was it was a weird experience. Like there was 
it's Russia, right? I don't know. You've probably heard some stories. But... Oh yeah, no, I, I I heard some crazy <laughs> stories. Were you getting paid cash over there? Oh yeah, oh cash. Okay. Yeah. First time, the first time I go to get paid, they don't pay you for the first month. They pay you the second. Anyway, so they, it's all messed up. So the guy who pays me doesn't speak a word of English, right? And he hands me rubles. And I'm like, it's supposed to be U.S. dollars, buddy. And he's like, rubles only. Or, you know, and he says it in Russian. Tolka rubles or, you know, the tolka's only. Anyway. So he's, he's, he's like, so I, I, okay, I'm fine. I'm like, rubles, fine. And so I start doing the, the uh, conversion from rubles to U.S. dollars, and I'm like, he's seven thousand dollars short. So I'm like, I'm like, buddy, you're here. So I write it down for him. I'm like, you know, and he looks at me and he just shrugs his shoulders, like, ah, oh, you caught me. Turns and goes into his safe and hands me seven grand U.S. Like, no like, way. He was gonna pocket <laughs> if I didn't. Count. I was like, are you kidding me? You're gonna rip me off seven. Like maybe you would have tried like two grand. Maybe I wouldn't have noticed. No, he went for the full <laughs> seven. It's like I'm He's gonna trying to hustle a hustler, man. You can't out hustle a hustler. Come on, <laughs> just like just shrugged his shoulders like it was nothing. Like ah, oh, no, I know. <laughs> the guys are like, it's Russia. What do you expect? <laughs> yeah, there's some crazy stories, Nathan. Like I mean, I played with Freddie Brathwaite in in Chicago. And he was telling me that, you know, Freddie obviously w- was making like a million dollars over there, right? So you could imagine what his paychecks were. You were making big money, but he was making huge money, right? He would put the cash, but they would pay them right before practice. So yeah. if you're getting, let's say it was, I don't know, thirty, forty thousand $40,000 paycheck, or it would be more than that, I guess, if it was only once a month they're getting paid, probably closer to a hundred grand. Do you trust leaving that hundred grand in your jean pockets in the dressing room? Do you trust it in your car outside when you're on the ice? Or are you going to put it in your goalie pads? That's what Freddie Brathwaite did. Yeah. Yeah. Just stuff it down your jock. (laughs) So what did you do, Nathan? When did you guys get paid? What did I do? No, you guys get paid before practice. Like, no, like we never got paid before. We always got paid after. So the okay, lucky good. you guys. Yeah, I was lucky actually. Yeah. So, but I yeah I have I don't even know if I can tell this story because I kind of kind of I should plead the fifth on some of it. But there was there was a, like a situation. This <laughs> situation arose. I don't even know how to explain. This might be a better time for having it over beer than on the podcast. But. I got stuck with all this cash because the bank I used to wire the money from got closed down. Right. So I had to like, I, I, I like, it was in Moscow. Right. So I, I had 65,000 cash on me in a duffel bag and I jump on the cab from Chekhov to Moscow and get on the subway in Moscow. They call it the Metro. And you know I mean? I take it to wherever in central Moscow and go to this bank well, I show up, it's closed. I guess the FSB raided it and it just was, it was no longer operating. So I'm like, oh my God, I've got to fly out tomorrow morning. I got to get back to checkoff and get to the bank there. It just had, it, you know me, I could have wired it from there, but it was just save like a couple hundred bucks, right? And, you know, maybe yeah. it was like into Moscow for fun. Anyway, <laughs> I get back, the bank's closed. I'm like, oh my God, what are we going to do with all this money? I got to wire it all. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah, so I had to it's only get, sixty-five grand, no big deal. Like it's only sixty-five <laughs> grand in cash. 
I got creative, but yeah, anyway, I won't say what I did, but <laughs> that's all right, man. Maybe we'll save that for, for part two of when you come back, Nathan. Yeah, yeah. It was you know, Russia was Russia was a funny place. I will tell this story though. So the first first week I'm there, right? They're they're on some break. Anyway, like they have they have different breaks throughout the year. Anyway, so they just started practicing again. They had a team a team dinner, right? So we're having team dinner. The owner comes in. He's wearing this tracksuit, very unassuming guy. Like I, I until someone told me he was the owner of the team, I had no idea, right? And I guess he was yeah a legit mafia guy or whatever. Anyway, so so he's like, let's go. I'm the new guy, right? So and Reed's there, and he's like, okay, we're gonna go with Nikolai here and go go drinking. So we we went drinking. <laughs> we went drinking. Oh my god, we went drinking for three days straight. We went to I don't even know. Where we went. <laughs> it's three days. I'm not no lie. Three days. Like we'd go back to his village, and and you know you'd have a nap here and eat, and then you'd once it was you know we'd go to a restaurant, and then we just kept drinking and drinking and drinking i'm like i mean I, i'd say to him i said so nicola i gotta go to practice and there was like, an <laughs> like no i goes i he was like i own the team you're staying here <laughs> i go i'll fire the coach if he complains you know you're saying that. <laughs> it's my team you're like no no you don't need to practice you need to stay here and drink and i was oh my god oh my god i don't drink but <laughs> i found where I finally had enough. I was like, oh my God. I think I got, I'm pretty sure I got sick right after that. I know I did. I got some Russian flu after that. You must have, buddy. I thought so, I was done. They hand me this, they hand me this jar of, of um, stuff. They're like, yeah, it's like, it's, it's tiger jizz. He sent me, it's like, it's from the tiger's balls and it'll help you feel better. You, you rough it up. <laughs> I was like, what? I'm not doing that. I'm like, I'm laying in bed. I'm just dying. I'm like, okay, fine. I start rubbing it on my chest. I'm like, this is so gross. I'm like, is it going to, it didn't work at all. The doctor finally came and gave me some antibiotics and I started feeling better. But I was like, what the hell? I think they were just laughing at me, right? See if I do it. (laughs) Hopefully it wasn't really tight or something. It's pretty funny though. I was like, I've I've heard of, I've heard of stuff like that, Nathan. Yeah. Well, maybe it, was, it, no, it didn't work. Maybe I was doing it wrong. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> That's funny, man. Hey, we really appreciate stuff like that. Like, like I find that a lot of shows, Nathan. Like, you know, they, they'll talk about you know the NHL part of people's career and kind of try to stick to that. But I think a true hockey person really appreciates these stories of of leagues like the KHL. That Russia, like you know what I mean, like like that's great, man. You got you partied with the Russian owner for three straight days. He told you that he'd fire the coach if the coach complained. That is fantastic, my friend. But so thank you very much for sharing that. So now, obviously, Nathan, you, you played the season with the Brahmas after Russia, right? Before you officially hung him up. Yeah, yeah. How was that for you? Well, you know, a good friend of mine, he we played junior B together. He's the coach there, right? And we played on the same line, junior B. And it, I was, honestly, I, I'd taken the whole first half of the year off to box. I had a couple pro boxing matches. Yeah. And I won the first one. And my second one, again, I'm fighting a guy six foot seven this time. And No way. I, 
had him. I, I had him. I had him in the corner. And all of a sudden, he threw the kitchen sink at me and hit me right in the temple. And, man, it, I was, it hit me hard. It was, you know. Anyway, so I ended up getting up and we knocked me down a couple more times. I was still out of it, though, from the first knockdown. But anyway, so I'm like, I'm living in New Jersey, learning how to fight. You know, I was training at a bit at Gleason's with a guy named Yuri Foreman. He was he was a midweight, a super midweight champion of the world for a bit. Anyway, yeah. great guy. Uh, Joel Greer was my our coach, right? But, you know, we trained at Patterson, New Jersey. Oh, my God, Patterson's a great place, but it is scary at times. So certain certain blocks, it can be scary there if you're not used to it. But just to. Yes. But oh, yeah. it's a good place to box, right, though? Because it's like, it's tough, right? Anyway. So really good. I got good at it, but anyway, I was making no money, right? Like I, I hardly get paid anything for these these boxing matches. Uh, Don Elbaum was my promoter, and he wasn't paying me crap anyway. So anyway, it was good. Anyway, so I knew, but I knew I had to go make some money. So I'm like, I got to go to Texas and play some hockey because. And Dan said, "Yeah, come on down." And we went there, and man, I don't know. If, did you ever play in the Central League? No, I never played in the Central League. How is it? It's it was you know honestly great hockey great guys but man long long bus rides yeah like, man sleeper is, buses yeah yeah there were sleeper buses they were sleeper buses but it was it was a I was just I think I was just I had enough I was like man I and I like I just the game would pass me by honestly I hadn't like when I was in Russia my second year there my passport got stolen and I missed half the year because of it. And yeah. you know, I mean, and I didn't play the 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 first half of that year, so I missed so much hockey that the game just passed me by, and I was like, I didn't have the motivation. I wanted, I really just wanted to box, but I wasn't good enough at it to make any money at it. So I was like, you know, I I gotta go back and play hockey, and and I wasn't in great hockey shape at the start, and you know, but. You know, I don't know. It was it was enough to convince me it's time to get a real job. And you know, I mean, if I had an offer to go be the player assistant in Glasgow for the Brayhead Clan, the Brayhead Clan, yeah. So they offered me, a, and I was like, I well, you know, I mean, I go there for a season, then what? You know, I mean, I'll be right back in the same position in a year. Or I applied for this job at Bruce Power, which is a nuclear power plant up by where I, I live and work now, right, by my hometown. And, you know, I mean, it's been a pretty good go. I've, you know, been there for over 10 years now. And, you know, I've been able to see my kids a lot more and grow up. And, st- you know, I mean, that was probably the biggest thing with it, with not going over to Scotland was because of missing my kids, right? So it was like, how much of my other life am I going to miss, right? So, it was, you know, I had to make a grown-up decision at a time where I didn't want to, but I, I think I picked the right choice because I knew I knew I wasn't getting any better at hockey, that's for sure. But, yeah. <laughs> hey man, I had, I had a boxing match though when I was there. It didn't go my way, but <laughs> oh well, yeah. I at least I got out there and did it. That was it was fun. <laughs> it was Jason, fun. I'll tell you one thing, man. It's it it's really exciting to be the type of player that you were in professional hockey. But what could be equally exciting could be a career such as firefighting, my friend. And we have a lot of questions about this. This is what you're currently doing. Kyle, I know you wanted to take the lead on this one, so please do that because I really want to learn about this firefighting. 
Yeah, you know, I was beyond curious because I know, like, your style of playing, you know, it's it's high intensity. It, it's a lot of emotion and a lot, uh, just a lot of heart-pounding style, adrenaline rush kind of kind of hockey. And I was curious if that was a reason why you kind of went over to firefighting because it was a bit of a, an adrenaline rush. Well, I, I'm on a volunteer department, too, in, in uh, the town of Paisley, in Aaron Elderly. Anyway, so I actually get to do some real firefighting there. Like, Not that I don't do real firefighting at the nuke plant, but it is the vast majority we work on prevention because, obviously, fire in a nuclear station is really bad. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> We've had a few fires that I've been, I've been yeah. there for. One big one, a transformer blew up. That was a really big fire, and that was a big deal. But we were able to protect this plant and everything, so we got it under control pretty quick. But uh, it's, you know, I mean, I do enjoy the the like. I obviously like like the being able to help people. Like that's probably the reason I do it the most. But you definitely get a rush for sure. Like you know, I mean, you you pull up on a on a house and you hear that there's people inside still. And you know what I mean? Your, your adrenaline just starts going. Cause you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to run in this burning building and do a search and rescue, you know? And, you know, I mean, those things get you, get you fired up for sure. But you know what I mean? You, you, you're doing it to try and help your community you live in. And, you know, I mean, obviously when I'm working at the power station, they, they pay us quite well for, for that. And they really good benefits. I was actually, honestly, I was quite lucky to get in there when I did. And uh, I'm really happy I did because it's been really, really great career. And I'm, uh, yeah, work with some great guys and it's worked out well that way. It's a great company too to work for. That's awesome, buddy. That's awesome. And like the other thing I wanted to talk about, Nathan, was just the fact that, you know, like a lot of hockey players, pro hockey players, I find We'll join the police force. We'll join the fire department. We'll join an organization that has camaraderie, like the hockey dressing room. Do you find that it's, it, it is like that? A pro hockey player that's doing what you're doing now. Do you, is it a similar feeling with the guys? It, it, is it a similar movement as hockey? Oh, uh, yeah, I would say it's tough because like, it's similar to a certain extent, right? But you mean you, you mean everyone comes from different walks of life where you know it's there's so many different like I've I've been lucky I've I've had some really good friends with the guys I work with, you know, and I've you know, I mean there's a few guys I really get along with and we, we got a lot of similar interests and stuff and hang out a lot, but you know, I mean it, it's different where you don't have that driving force to try and win the cup or, you know what I mean? Win the championship, whatever you're, you know what I mean? If you're in American league, the was it the Calder cup or the Stanley, you know what I mean? Like that, that drive behind everyone to, to push you is, isn't really there. I, I don't know how else to explain. You know I mean, you're there, you're checking the clock, you're waiting until you, you can retire and go, or, you know I mean? Your day off or, and that stuff, it's a little different that way. So yeah. That adjustment is hard. I'll tell you, like it, it took me a while, a long time to, to get over the fact that I'm not a hockey player anymore. It's, it's, it's a really hard thing to accept. Like you want to be, you know, I mean, okay, what am I doing? So I started doing this fire fit, uh, championship. So they run, they do these seven different obstacles over a course. It takes, I think the fastest I've ever done. It's a minute 37, which for an old broken man, it's not too bad, but the, uh, the fastest awesome, guy, buddy. Yeah, the fastest guy in the world has done it in a minute ten, 
right? He's a beast, but really great guy. He's he's works out of Sarnia, but uh, Ian Van Reenen's his name. Great guy, but you know it's just but that camaraderie there when I, I'm when I'm at the Firefit Championship, all the guys that are there working, I really feel like it. That's what the hockey kind of feels like when I'm there. Like when I'm at my day to day job, there's you know it's just it's not the same. But like when I go to the Firefit Championships, it's it's unbelievable. Like, because everyone's there, they're trying to win, but it's very, it's very positive because no one, no one, everyone's just trying to beat their own personal best and encourage everyone to do the same, which is nice, right? So there isn't that trying to beat the other team kind of feeling, but it's, it's a, you get that same kind of camaraderie like you do in a locker room, though. So it's that part's good. That's awesome, buddy. So like, and like, I can definitely see that happening. When is the next event for that? for that that competition is that a yearly thing is it like how does that work well yeah they usually have uh all it's like they travel all throughout canada so they usually start out west and they'll have some events there then they they work their way through ontario then go to quebec then go to newfoundland and then come back again and then wherever they're having their national championship like the last they didn't have it last year because of covid but the last canadian national championship was held in oshawa Right, uh, 2019. It was like they put on a great really? event. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. And anyway, but I don't know. Like I don't know. Depending on restrictions and and yeah, what be able to have it. So they they canceled last year, obviously. And then they're doing it over in Europe, though. They have a and they have it in the United States as well. So like if if I was going to have to do it, if I have to, if I was going to do it again, I would have to probably go to Europe, I think this year or, or the United States to do it. Unless, unless things start opening up, which knock on wood, hopefully they do soon for, for everyone, you know, hopefully this all gets, gets moving along for everyone, but. A hundred percent, buddy. A hundred percent. Nathan. There's a, a couple other things that I that I want to bring up. I, I know I know you've given us a lot of time, which I really appreciate it so much. There's just so much content because of your long career, my friend. So much exciting stuff to talk about. Two quick things. I want to go back to 2005-2006, where the Toronto Maple Leafs traded you to the Dallas Stars for a six-round pick. That six-round pick ended up being... <laughs> Leo Komarov, who ended up being an all-star. So, Nathan, you were traded for an all-star, right? Yeah, it makes sense, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's pretty cool stuff, though. Man. 23 games for uh, for an NHL all-star. Yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> right? No, no, but, man, that, that that's pretty cool, though, that you got traded for an all-star player, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. Honestly, he was an awesome player. So I was just trying to help my Leafs out, you know? <laughs> I hear you, buddy. Yeah. I hear you. Just quickly, being an Ontario guy, Nathan, what was it like to to wear the blue and white, man? Like, like were you a diehard Leaf fan growing up? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I loved it. Honestly, it was it was awesome. Like, you know, I mean, I, I like playing in Dallas and Nashville. They were awesome cities as well. And like you know, I mean, no state income tax in in Tennessee yeah. and Texas, so yeah, so the paychecks were a lot nicer there. But you know, it's even though like they're still pretty good no matter where you are in the nation. But they, uh, it, it was like nothing can compare to playing in Toronto unless you were like a a Montreal guy, you know what I mean, or a Quebec guy, yeah. like, playing from like just the, the history, this the the fans, like it was it. 
every arena we went to, there was always like except for Philly, but everywhere there was always tons of Leaf jerseys in the stands. Like tons of them. everywhere we went, except for Philly, because Philly you those get Philly up. fans, eh? <laughs> they would actually beat you up if you were a Leafs jersey. Kyle, <laughs> what's up with your city, buddy? Listen, I've never beat up anybody for wearing somebody else's jersey. I can't speak on behalf of the other 30,000 people that are there. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. Nathan, another thing I wanted to bring up real quick, man, was just so the listeners all realize, Nathan Parrott did me some really big favors in my career, okay? So not only would this guy fight me in the American Hockey League when he was like a big-time veteran, right? And I was a younger guy. And Nathan, you gave me the shot every single time. Every time I lined up against you, you gave me a shot. Every single time, brother, right? And we, if we played against each other 10 times, I think we might have fought seven or eight times. Yeah, I, I, right? I agree with that. We fought right? a lot. <laughs> the biggest favor that you gave me was I got to, re- to to live out one of my dreams, Nathan, which was to play against my hometown Toronto Maple Leafs, right? And yeah. it, although I did get a regular season game, the preseason game that I played against you when you were on the Leafs, once again, you gave me another shot. And I was able to actually get a fighting major against my hometown Toronto Maple Leafs. So I thank you, my friend, for giving me that opportunity and not killing me that night. Oh, I'm glad you didn't kill me either. But yeah, I know Can you I was imagine sore. my one game against my hometown. I just get knocked the heck out. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Remember Jason McDonald? He was in St. John's at lockout year. Yeah, really. He's from PEI, really good guy, tough guy. So he got called up to the Rangers, and he was in Toronto, and I we were playing, and I fought him, and his jersey came off, right? And I think you know, we were buddies, and I didn't like. He said he had his tie down on, but they kick you out of the game, right? Yeah. So I felt so bad because he gets he gets tossed out of the game. And I was like, oh man, I didn't want to get you tossed out of the game. Like it just it came off. I didn't anyway. So. That it was like bad luck after bad luck, though. So I guess he they did something wrong with his immigration papers or whatever. So he they were <laughs> supposed to Buffalo the next night, and they ended up not being able to go into the U.S. because of his immigration issue. And then he ended up just getting sent down after. I was like, oh my god, it's terrible. That's so bad. I felt so bad for the guy. He's such a nice guy too. I was like, oh, sorry, Jason. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. that. That's part of it, though, right, Nathan? That's part of it. Oh yeah, yeah, just just part of it. But yeah, oh well. Man, I, 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 so, so you're telling me that the only, the only arena in the NHL that didn't have the group of Leaf fans was the in Philadelphia. Yeah, it was, it was. Uh, I, I swear they were, they were scared though. You know, was, Leaf fans there were, they weren't, but they were there. I know they were there. They were just scared to wear their. They jerseys. were scared to show themselves. <laughs> yeah, but I remember Philly's a crazy place. I had my first two pro boxing matches at the old uh, Blue Horizon. There, do you remember the Blue Horizon? That uh, oh, yeah. they they shot Rocky, a Rocky movie there. It was one of the scenes okay. early on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've, I've heard of it. I've heard of it. 
Yeah, it was it was a tough place. Like they had all the all the fan like the fans would sit on top of you, like on this like old church style thing. And I remember going into the ring and yeah, the guy I was fighting from was a Philly guy. And he, like they did not like me, but I think they started liking me at, by the end of the fight because I just kept going. I I knocked him out right at the end of the fourth round, which was there was like eight seconds left in the fight, and I, I knocked him out. And then I was like, oh my god, thank god, because I don't think I would have won the fight unless I knocked him out. <laughs> so this was this was your first professional boxing match yeah. against Makiti Kunitma. Yeah. Right. And was- this is an American guy. And it was yeah. in Philadelphia at the Blue Horizon Arena. Um, and that was back in 2009, Nathan. So congratulations on that feat of actually winning a professional boxing match, my friend. Yeah, yeah, I can say I won one. This good. That's, I should have retired right after that. <laughs> Next hey, man, if we all retired after our first win, we'd all be perfect, right? Yeah, I know, eh? It's like, yeah. What is it? Dean Morton. Remember Dean Morton? Oh, uh, yeah, buddy. You talk about the referee? Yeah. Okay. He averages a goal a game in the NHL. With He played one game with the Detroit Red Wings and scored. I don't know if he had any. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, yeah. Hey, yeah. But, but that's also, you know, the, the two Gretzky brothers – are still the, the 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 only the duo with the highest scoring, eh? For the two brothers, because the one brother's got one point, the other one's got almost twenty five hundred, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, can <laughs> I got more points than Gretzky in the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You got more points than a Gretzky in the NHL. There you go, buddy. You heard it here on the Sheriff Podcast. But um, yeah, no, Nathan. It's I know we've. We've had you for so much longer than, than we than we told you it would be, and, and and buddy, we're we're so thankful for it. Kyle, did you have anything else to say to this this wonderful human being? Nah, Nate, it was a pleasure meeting you, bud, and thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Yeah, sorry, I I like to chat too much, but <laughs> no, Nate, Nathan, there's never too much chatting because the stories that you tell, the true hockey stories, buddy, it, it's it's priceless. It's priceless. And any listener listening to the show, I'm sure appreciated it so much, buddy. So we appreciate the stories that you told on episode 11 of The Sheriff. And and we would love it if you would return. The only thing I need to sneak in here, Nathan, is Tyler Buxton Productions. Okay? They've reached out to me many times when you were boxing and said, listen... We want to promote a Sean McMorrow, Nathan Parrott boxing match. You guys fought in the NHL. We want you guys fighting in the ring. So the only regret that I have, man, is that I didn't get into the boxing earlier because I think that it would have been a pretty special night if that happened, my friend. Yeah, that would have been awesome. That would have been fun. (laughs) I don't know. To be honest, me and and Kyle (laughs) – are involved in many things right now. We're trying to get the right people together that have strong characters that we can build things together. So I'm sure we're going to be contacting you to see if you want to be a part of, a, of certain movements that we're going to be a part of, my friend. So I appreciate you coming on the show and we will definitely be in touch. We are, are going to work together in the future and I hope that I talk to you very, very soon, my friend. Yeah, thanks, Sean. Thanks, Kyle. All right, have a great night, guys. Okay, guys. Thanks, Nathan Parrott, who is our episode 11 special guest. 
Guys, I want you. To, I want to thank everyone for listening to episode eleven. We will see you next time on the Sheriff Podcast. Woo!